one Dave here from Casual Shooters Podcast. Uh, just a couple things real quick. Laser app. Uh, on our website, I've added a new page. If you go to sponsors, you can see links to all of our sponsors. There's a link for Laser app. You can get 15% off with our code. It's on the website, but it's a great dry fire tool. It's a shot timer and recorder. So it'll record your first shot, splits, transitions. It's even diverse enough that you can set up arrays in different rooms so that you can have to move from one to another. It'll record everything. Amazing device. Check it out. Go to our webpage, casualshooterpodcast.com. Also, Hoist. We've got our discount code on the webpage again, same page. But you get 10% off there, and we're talking IV level hydration for those of you shooting major matches this summer. Even your local matches. It will help keep you hydrated. So go check it out. And also Gun Butter. There's a link for Gun Butter. You can get 20% off with our link. Uh, it's excellent lubrication for your pistols. Put a little on your lugs. The grease on the lugs of your rifle, good to go. All right, so go to our webpage, casualshooterpodcast.com. Go to the sponsor page. Links to their website right there, and the codes are on there for you. All right? Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you later. So you ended up getting out. Now, did you go to college? I did, yep. Went to the University of Iowa. Uh, <laughs> you went a long way from home to go <laughs> <Yeah>. to college. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, how... And at what point did you find competition shooting? Uh, I shot my first competition of any sort in probably 2014. But I shot my first oh, yeah. USPSA match in 2016. So it's somewhat new for me. Um, but I've been obsessed with it ever since. Okay. Well. I mean, that's a pretty good gap, seven years between getting out and shooting any type of competition, but then, what, another two years before you shot USPSA. So what did you do in that time from 2007 to 2014? Uh, I mean, as far as shooting stuff, like just the stupid like country boy things that we would do before. You know, we go out to the range occasionally, but, you know, like we throw a whole bunch of clay pigeons against the back berm and try to shoot them with rifles or, you know, just like that stupid stuff. Go shoot you know, go shoot a bunch of Gatorade bottles with pistols and, you know, like all the dumb stuff, uh, you know, at the time. And, um, and yeah. And then I, so the first thing I ever shot was like IDPA. And, uh, so then okay. I thought, I thought competition shooting was really stupid. You know, like I like competing and I like shooting, but after shooting a couple of those like local IDPA matches, I was like, man, if this is competition shooting. This is just, this is an awful lot of work to only show up there and get like, two minutes of shooting but with like a guy standing over your shoulder the whole time like oh you know oh you reloaded in the wrong spot that's a penalty and, and kind of all those things you know mm. and um yeah so it took me i kind of i kind of fell out from like doing a lot of gun related stuff i was kind of into hunting and then what literally spurred me to get back into being really serious was my last college coaching job so i was a, a college strength coach so my last coaching job, I was a head coach at a D3 college uh, university named Buena Vista University. And so before, uh, I can't remember which year it was that I was there. Uh, I was there from 2012 until the end of 2015. But one of those times coming back to fall, they set up this big, huge, like campus-wide emergency, like exercise. So they're going to have like a, you know, a, a, a theoretical, like a fake, you know, school shooting incident. And so they had like the whole jam. They had like multiple victims all in the building that had like the really like the really fancy like fake wounds that you put on them, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Like the, the sheriff's department, the local police. They had like two life flight helicopters that came in onto like the landing on the school grounds. You know, they had uh, like it was like all of those things. And they asked me if I wanted to be the school shooter. And I was like, uh, obviously, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, and so I didn't know like what they like wanted me to do. They just asked if I wanted to be, and I was like, sure. So I kind of showed up like, and I was literally wearing like my Marine Corps, like desert digi bottoms and, um, you know, and like a tank top or whatever. So they gave me a, like a rubber rifle, you know, and a, and a rubber Glock 17. And they literally just made me go into this building 
And um, and they're like, hey, just just go sit down in the hallway there. So basically, it was just dumb. Like they wanted me to just like they're like, hey, you're just sitting here. You don't even have blanks or anything. And like you know, this is kind of just a like a foregone conclusion. So I'm sitting in this hallway, and I was like, no, I'm I'm not going out that way. So I so I grabbed this chair. And I put the chair like in front of me. And so I'm in the hallway and all the lights are off. So like, if you look down the hallway, you can't see me. I'm just sitting behind this regular, like, you know, just like office chair, you know, thing. But I've got my rifle just sitting right between there. And I mean, it was like every classic stupid cop who got a rifle yesterday, but doesn't know how to do anything stuff. So I could hear these guys. I'm on like the second or third floor and I hear them when they're outside, like, you know, Wow. All right, stairway front, you know, like, all right, clear right, like just doing all that stuff. And they all got like their lights on the whole time. So I'm like, I'm just like sitting here like around the hallway and I can see the reflection of their beams, you know, on the wall and stuff. And I'm like, all right. So the first guy kind of comes up to the wall and he just walks right around and I go, bang. And he goes, what? And I said, bang. And so he just like looked at me really confused because they were obviously like, apparently, they were, you know, they were briefed that like, I wasn't going to like offer any resistance. And so the guy kind of like backed out of the way. So then these other two guys kind of came up and, you know, tried to make a big effort of like they were pieing. But the one guy literally just walks around the corner and like marches at me with his rifle up. And I was like, bang, bang. And he goes, oh, I got you. And I was like, <laughs> I'm sitting down in a black hallway and you don't have a tack light on and you just walked around the corner. And it was all this stupid stuff. But eventually they, just, they call an index. They're like, hey, hey, you're dead. They got you. And I was like, okay, if you guys say so. Um, so we get done with all of this stuff. And they go to have the big hot wash after there to do the debrief. And there was one person not invited to the hot wash. And I'll give you <laughs> one guess as to who that was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know who that like, was. <laughs> and I mean, but like, think of the ludicrousness of that, right? So they set up this huge multi-agency. I mean, they literally had two helicopters come in and land on the campus itself doing all of these things. You know, they had their like mobile... Um, you know, like comms unit or whatever you call it, like the little mobile like headquarters, you know, like van or, or whatever, like all those command things. Command center, yeah. Yeah, and so they so they bring all these people to do a debrief and they literally didn't invite me to the debrief. So literally because, when wow. that happened, I go, you know what? I'm going to start training again because if that's, if that's who I'm calling, if I'm in a jam, I'm better off not calling anyone. So I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to be my own. I'm my own 911 from now on. So I, I think we, <laughs> I think we just saw that in real life. You know, it's actually kind of interesting you say that because I just went through uh, basic law enforcement school for the fire marshal's office, and we actually got some of the some of the top level training that I could I loved, and it was a program called Alert, which you know deals with the you know officer rapid response team, and I'm telling you these guys when we trained we trained we trained like you said like flashlights and everything like that. We were, you know, taught how to project them off the walls and everything like that so that we're not saying, hey, I'm right here, you know, um, and, and a way to go about how we actually cleared rooms and how we pied everything and, you know, how we didn't say out loud, you know, what we're doing. <laughs> so that's actually pretty interesting to hear that from you. No, that's cool because it's like I think people would be surprised at like how little – training if done well and seriously can make a huge difference in oh, yeah. your relative skill but then the flip side of that is like people have no idea how unskilled like 99% of you know like law enforcement or anyone else like is oh, yeah. with that like they are they're just checking the box they have eight yep. you know hours annually allotted to firearms of which half of that is here's how to not shoot yourself and you know, two hours of the remaining four is running qualification. And then, and then they'll have a couple hours of kind of like shooting around a vehicle, you know, at static target stuff. And that's it, you know? Yeah. And I work with, um, I work with like a fair amount of cops at my, my normal job. And one of them is the chief of police at one of the agencies in the Metro down here. And we kind of talk about that stuff. And I'm always kind of trying to needle him about like dry fire and, I'm like, Hey, you know, like if you had the guys come in, you know, if you spent the first 10 minutes of shift and you just had them unload, show clear and, do 10 minutes around the vehicles real quick. You know, it's like, man, by the end of the week, like those dudes would have 40 minutes of, of dry fire training. You could just, you could just put it on. Like it wouldn't even be any like big thing. And he's like, Oh, 
well, okay, I'll think about that. And I'm like, ah, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep pushing. I saw that <laughs> right. one. It went in there and it rattled for a second, but then it came out. But I was like, I'm getting right. closer, you know? Like, <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, the, the, uh, the training that I went through, we actually used uh, cert rounds. So you were getting fired at with cert rounds. And you when they hit you, you knew it. Oh, yeah, those things sting, man. Yeah, they do. <laughs> so it's actually kind of, you know, it was kind of great because you actually, you know, if you're going to play the game, you're going to understand it, you know, and if you're going to get hit, you're going to know it. No, that's uh, good. Yeah, so um, I'm sorry, sim rounds, not cert rounds. I knew what you meant, yeah. Um, I assume so. you didn't mean the uh, the laser practice gun, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> those hurt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, like yeah, like yeah. that one there. Yeah. Exactly that one. <laughs> oh, no, that's, it burns. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> Especially on this guys with fair skin. I mean, come right. on. <laughs> but, yeah, so, that, I just, it's good training. So you guys must have had a good conversation after Uvalde then. Oh, me, <laughs> or not. yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I and I shoot with a couple of uh, other cops who are like very serious, you know, well, one of them anyway is a very serious competition shooter down here. And we've, we usually travel together to matches and stuff. And so we've had, we've had a, a numerous talks about that stuff, you know, mm -hmm. for certain. And, uh, and like, obviously, and that's someone who he's at my level of shooting, this particular guy, he, he shoots limited division. Um, you know, so he's very Cody, skilled. Cody. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, Cody's very good, you know, and, and, and I've been, I've told him, I was like, you know, one, like, and I've had him come do a little bit like, you know, like a, you know, kind of a combative, you know, like a abbreviated, like, you know, combative handgun class with me and stuff like that, you know, so it's always like off of the, you know, but I, and I've told him, I was like, I was like, dude, like, you know, I would never talk to you again ever. Like if you guys were involved in something like that, like, I just, like, I, I, I don't mess around with that stuff. Like it's, yeah. this wouldn't be a like, Oh, Hey, I'll forget about it. And I'll talk to you next week. I was like, I will literally never speak to you mm -hmm. ever again. If, if you guys were involved in that, like I hold my, you know, the people that I associate with to a high level, and I hope they hold me to a high level, you know, mm -hmm. of, you know, of, of standard on that. Right. Yeah. That was a, uh, mm, it's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. yeah. There's a so, lot of things to glean from that. Yeah, for sure. Now, so you, you shot IDPA first, didn't like it. What made you decide to try USPSA? Well, there was a couple of the guys that did IDPA that had like recommended to me. And when, when okay. I was living, when I was still coaching in college, it, just, it didn't exist anywhere around there. So I moved mm. down to Omaha at the very end of 2015. And then Omaha is a shooting town. I didn't really know it at the time, but like Omaha – has a fantastic range. We have a lot of like very uh, like serious shooters and some really good guys. I think we've got four GMs in town. So me, Cody, Joel Park, and then um, Greg, um, you know, as well. And, um, you know, and so I managed to get a match in 2016, had the injury and tore my biceps. So I couldn't train again or couldn't shoot again until like you know, 2017 or the very end of 2016, I suppose. And then 2017 was my first like full season of doing it. And uh, I've only just ramped up and gotten more serious since then. Like I've, I famously got myself fired from a job so that I could continue shooting a match that I was at. Like, I just, I, I know where my priorities lie. I'm supposed to be wow. at work. Yep. Next stage. <laughs> yeah, well, it was one of those, like, when I was managing a gym, they, they, they did the, like, hey, my relief didn't show up and I'm going home. Like, you got to come in thing. And I was like, yeah, I'm not coming in. Right. I, was like, I was like, I am on stage six of a 10-stage major and I am currently winning limited division. Uh, there's not a chance that I'm leaving. And uh, that was a fireable offense. So. <laughs> so that was Sunday. Come Monday, I was gone. Yeah. Uh. You should have done right. the whole. You should have done the whole. Like I can't hit you. Up, and said I didn't get the message. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, you know, there, there would have been sneakier things to do with that, but I was just like, I was like, no, no. <laughs> I don't really like that job, anyways. And I'm right. I, I want to win this match, and then I didn't win that match. I got beat by Cody. So yeah, like <laughs> oh, son of a. <laughs> well, you can blame it on being distracted by work 
I mean, obviously I did. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, so did you start shooting limited from the get go? Uh, basically. So I shot my first match as production just cause that's what like all of the good guys at the time locally shot, like Joel and Cody all shot production. Same thing with, uh, um, you know, with Greg and a couple other guys from, uh, like here and then like kind of one of our sister clubs in, in Des Moines area. And then I switched to limited after, I think I only shot one match in production. So then I shot limited minor. Um, yeah, I shot limited minor all the way until the, I think my first major I shot, that was my first like match that I shot with a, a major power factor gun. I was just shooting a nine mil XD in limited division. Um, and then I switched to a, a 40 cal XD because obviously a 40 cal XD is a prime limited division gun. Um, yes, of yeah. course. And then I shot that until <laughs> 2019. So I shot nationals 2019 out in Utah. And then I switched to carry optics after that. Now, was that the year of the, uh, when they had that bath dust storm? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That actually happened okay. to not, you know, whatever I was morning or afternoon on that day, it happened to the other, the other side. Ah, of but yeah. Okay. Yep. That was like us at nationals. We were in 2020. We got hit with the thunderstorm, the torrential downpour. And the other, I think it was the, yeah, the, we were shooting afternoon that day. That morning they, they had perfect weather. And we got absolutely shooting, day optics nationals in 2020. Yes. Then I yeah. know exactly what you're talking about. Yep, because I had just finished up. I want to say that we you shot son uh, of a gun. <laughs> what, what do you call it? Shot zone two, I think. Oh, okay. Um, I think we finished up zone two because I was kind of on that like, uh, like west side of the road there, coming off of whatever stage. There's like a double bay there. I remember, you know, one mm -hmm. of them had like some strong hand only. We just finished up around there. Yes. And it was just kind of starting to sprinkle, and then I walked under the awning to kind of put my stuff away. And then, you know, like all the afternoon guys were showing up to get ready. And it was just like, boom. And I was like, well, okay, then see you guys later. So, <laughs> And we got to start on stage 19, which is the one with that super long, the, like the 42 yard shot. Yeah. Yeah. The one where they're going out there and, with the golf cart to uh, score. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> which look that that's not that long of a shot, but when, when it's dark and hazy and raining and, there's a blob of a plastic sheet over it. You're like, exactly where am I aiming here? No, that sucks. Yeah, I try to do that with uh, with plastic on the target. That that definitely sucks. Yeah, that added a whole. I never even would have considered that. You know, had that not happened. But now I'm like, okay, I I need to be able to recognize shapes and figure out exactly where I need to aim. It was interesting for sure. So what do you, so you're shooting a CZ in limited and and a CZ in carry optics as well? Uh, so I just shot the XD in limited, and then retired that, and then I just shoot the CZs now. So just in carry optics. Oh, okay, I got gotcha. you. So you don't shoot limited at all anymore? No, nope. Okay. Well, congrats on your uh, Corn Husker and Kansas Free State wins this year. Thanks. Yeah, missed the. Uh, I think I lost Great Plains section by like, what was it, seven points or ten points or something, and then uh, then got the next two. So I got Area Three coming up a week from, not this weekend, but next weekend. So that'll be uh, some good heat out there. Yeah, I, I saw your your squad. Looks like a pretty good squad, full of people. Yeah, and then you know Max is out there, Nils is out there, <laughs> uh, like Luke yeah. Cow's out there. So there's probably yeah, like saw, half a dozen of us that are all like super squad, like uh, carry optics guys that are shooting it. So it's um, there's some there's some legit heat. And I think Luke is shooting on the same squad as Nils. I think so. And another guy who I know that's very good, Nick Walden. He's on that squad as well. Nick's uh, mm. Nick was on the super squad with me last year. He's from North Dakota, but he shoots most of the majors around that I do. So I know him very well. He's a very good shooter as well. Okay. Yeah, there should be uh there should be an interesting match, especially with the results of the area, what was it, five that just occurred. I saw some It'll of the stages coming out of that, and that looked like a monster of a match. So like <laughs> <laughs> Well, and 
I don't know where is it at. So let me share a screen real quick since you can see. Share screen. Share. Let me add it. Now, there's something I find very interesting. So Max took area one and area six. Nils took area five with Max being second. Now, if you scroll down, Nils took area one and area six production. So Nils is three and zero oh so far on area matches. And then yeah, if I scroll Nils down, Nils is a fantastic iron sight shooter. And then if you scroll down, he took two gun nationals and classic nationals in single stack. So he's five and zero oh in major matches. I keep saying I've said it on social media. I'm like, this might be the year of the Nils, the Chinese calendar of the year of the Nils. Yeah, Nils is incredibly good. And like, yeah. You know, so having so I shot on the Super Squad, you know, last year. So I haven't seen the guys, you know, that I've shot in person with now. It's like, like if Max is on top of his game, he's he's incredibly difficult to beat with that. But he also he lost a hundred points on one stage at Area Five to Nils, and he got beat by a hundred points. So it would have been a very tight race, right? Um, otherwise, like he, he had six mics on one stage and had a six percent on a hundred and twenty point stage. And that Nils won, um, you know, so it's, uh, it'll be kind of, you know, interesting. You have a guy like that, like, you know, like Max, who's, if he's on and doesn't throw a lot of mics, like he's just, he's incredibly fast. He's hard to, he's hard to keep up with speed wise, but the way he splits targets, there's a uh, fraught with peril. Like he, when it doesn't mm. work, there is an awful lot of mics and bad hits. And so there's definitely uh you know, there's definitely some cracks, you know, potentially in that. Whereas Nils is, Nils is very, I mean, he's still very fast, but he's, he's like just, you know, a cool freaking constant. Like, yeah, he's, he's just, he's very, very good at what he does. Just very little ups and downs. He just, he just kind of does what he does. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. He's very consistent. And I mean, he's been shooting iron sights all year up until area five. So it'll be interesting now with the switch over. You know, shooting carry optics right up until nationals. So, well, it'll, it'll be inter- fourth in nationals and limited last year, shooting minor power factor, like second, or was it second last year? He was ten points behind Mason. Maybe it was the year before he got third or fourth shooting. My, yeah, so yeah, he's he's very he's very good with iron sights. He's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. So that's where I was going to go next. Was um. Carry Optics Nationals. I know you're you're shooting it, and you're on the Super Squad. Yep. So, and another very, this has got to be the most competitive Carry Optics. Well, not just Carry Optics, but any Nationals ever, because you know JJ is going to be back there, Max is going to be back there, Christian's going to be there, you'll be there, Nils is going to be there, Wanzik's going to be. I mean, anybody who is anybody is going to be there. Now, I'm not asking you who's going to win, but I am asking you, who do you think, if if you were Las Vegas, who would you put as the betting favorite today? I mean, having shot last year, you know, in the super squad, so it'll be much of the same guys and kind of seeing how it plays out. Like, it's hard to bet against JJ um, on that, you know, because JJ is the only person who is like max fast but he doesn't have you know kind of the the head case problems that kind of come along with you know that that was like last year i think max had like eight mics and was just kind of like all over the board on stuff like that so it's it's hard to bet against jj in that because jj those two are kind of like at their own level as far as like speed like just nobody else is quite as fast as they are um so i mean i would i would i would lean but i would not be surprised um, if Max got it or if Nils got it, you know, for that matter at all, it, it depends. I think a lot on, you know, the stage type and and stuff like that. Um, you know, and Mason, I think Mason shot something like ninety seven percent or whatever. And Dazi, almost forget about Dazi. Like Dazi's very good. I think Dazi shot yeah. ninety eight or ninety nine percent last year. Like, um, kind of like under the radar like guy. So I per- I've never seen him shoot. So like I, I just like I don't. I don't know, like, like what he does, like well, like if he's a really fast guy or, or what his what his thing is. So, uh, you know, but um, 
yeah, no, it's, it's definitely gonna be very competitive. Um, you know, last year was incredibly competitive. So like last year I actually shot about one and a half percent higher, but I finished six positions lower in 2021 versus 2020. So I was sixth in 2020, um, shot better in 2021, but finished 12th. Yeah, and that's just because of all the ridiculous heat that was there. Yeah, just yeah, just tightened up. Yep. Yeah. And well, and and I forgot about Mason. Yeah, he'll be back there. But I mean, you've got the addition of Christian. Now, what do you think about Christian and speed compared to JJ? And, I, just, I don't uh, honestly know, like carry optics wise. Um, okay. Like, I, I just you know I'm mean, I'm I'm just trying to judge people on like what I've you know seen on that. Obviously, he's very fast with open gun, so I, I presume he's probably still very fast. You know, I've seen. Honestly, I don't know how his gun is carry optics legal. It's got like a humongous thumb rest on it. Like it doesn't, it is just a big monstrosity of a freaking gun on that. But uh, I mean, he's obviously like very fast. And and there's something I had kind of a theory that I hadn't been able to work out when I was shooting limited, which is that like I had wondered if shooting open would make you better at shooting all the other divisions because it would basically be like doing over speed training. So like, you know, getting mm. to train at like a speed that you could not handle with irons or with a 40 caliber, you know, like gun and, and all that. But if you were shooting a legit open gun where now you kind of have the dot and the compensator and the single action trigger helping you, I was like, man, I wonder if you shot a bunch of open, if it just kind of lets you taste that next speed and then it makes you, you know, kind of able to tap into a little bit more of that before. And so, you know, I presume that, um, you know, like open and carry optics are very comparable as far as, you know, speeds and things, obviously the major power factor is a big advantage for open. So I presume that he'll be, you know, just as, just as capable in carry optics, but. It's going to be a shootout. That is for sure. I'm definitely going to have to call Vegas up and wonder if they're going to put the odds up in either Caesars yeah. or, or the win, you know, <laughs> call the sports books up and be like going, all right, who who's putting what on what, you know, <laughs> It's now, definitely like a horse race. <laughs> now, what are your thoughts about um, a 15-stage Nationals versus like when it was at Frostproof where, you know, it's 21, roughly 21 stages? Yeah, I mean, I shot Frostproof twice, and then I shot Utah once, and then now I – and then I shot Talladega. Um, and I liked the – you know, like the 21, 22 stage nationals. Right. Um, but the Talladega range was really good. Like I, I really liked, I thought the range was fantastic. I mean, the parking part of it like sucked, but I mean, just, right. just the actual range itself, but it is a little weird because, you know, there was issues with like, you know, guys having like, you know, one guy who's, who's kind of in my extended, you know, circle from Minneapolis, you know, like had to shoot in the dark basically on like, you know, the first or second day. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, and there's like first the big, day. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the big hill on the, on the backside of the range with all the trees on it. Well, the sun gets stuck behind that way before it's actually sundown. So, you know, you get kind of caught at a weird time of day and, and you could definitely be, you know, kind of facing issues. And then also, what was it? You can't shoot until 9am there. Is that what yeah. it was? Yeah. You had to yeah. start an hour later. So it pushed everything back. So, um, so, yeah, so it's like obviously like you, you couldn't really add more stages at a place like that. I, I thought I read they were having 19 stages this year. Um, oh, okay. I thought that's because USPSA posted something like, you know, Carry Optics Nationals, a 19-stage event or something. Because last year was just 18. It was like 6, 6, and 6, um, But uh, which isn't that bad. But, you know, I like the uh, – you know, I like having a lot of stages like that because then it really rewards – consistency which is what you expect to see from you know the the guys who are going to finish the best you know is like there's there's 50 people out there in the country who can be as good as me on any one stage for sure but it's like how many can how many can keep that together for 20 stages and that's the difference between the really good shooters and the guys who are you know this level or that level below them right yeah absolutely Yeah, I, I feel like um, Talladega was built around their rifle ranges and then everything else was built thereafter. So, which is a yeah, gorgeous not, rifle range. 
And I just, I'm not familiar with it. I just like, I just saw it from like, you know, out the, the building that you checked in at there. But um, I thought like the, you know, the whole campus was just like awesome. Like it's very clearly a really mm -hmm. cool, you know, just like range, you know, facility and all that. The only thing that sucks is that you kind of have to park out there randomly on the road and then walk to everything. Or if it's day three, you go up there and there's definitely not enough room for everybody to park, but everybody tries to park up there anyway. So for sure. Now, what is, um, do you have any, your training between now and nationals? Is there any change from what you would normally do during the rest of the year? Uh, I mean, all I'm doing right now is I'm, I'd add an additional day of live fire. So I'm trying to do like three days a week of live fire. Um, okay. You know, just cause well, honestly, like it, it, it's, it's caught me off guard multiple times because man, it's, it's a month away, you know, like just slightly mm -hmm. over a month away, you know, so I'm, I'm like, okay, five I have, weeks, I have area three next weekend and then we'll have a local match the first Sunday of the month here. And then I'll leave, you know, basically to go right to Nash. I'm like, dude, you don't have that much time left to like get a serious round count in. So I've been, I'm trying to get more of that. And then I've kind of this whole year, I haven't done any like match speed training for the most part. I've tried to just basically stay like foot on the gas training, you know, from like April or whatever I picked up like heavy training until now. Cause I think that's one thing I've, I think it's been holding me back is that like, you know, the problem with when you have majors kind of stacked up is that, you know, you want to train really hard and kind of train kind of in that out of control range. But it's like when it's the week of a match, you're like, okay, you know, get some good training in, but make sure, you know, like, don't be doing something stupid, like kind of training, like realistic speeds, you know, keep yourself fresh or whatever. But if you have like, you know, a major every three weeks, you basically don't have time to do any of like the overspeed stuff because you always have that match coming up where it's like, hey, I don't want to. I don't want to train out of control before this match and then shoot the match out of control. So I've been kind of, I've been kind of like, screw it. I'm going to, I'm going to stay training at a little bit too fast of a pace and maybe the session immediately before I go to a match, that one will be like a normal pace, but all the other ones I'm like, you know, just try to try to stay fast. You know, it's like, you know, cause I want to win majors. Um, I definitely want to do really well at area three cause it's, it's my area match as well. But it's like, you know, if you're like, Hey, do you want to blow Cornhusker Classic out of the water and do okay at nationals? Or would you rather like be a little bit wild, give up some points, lose Cornhusker, but do really well at nationals? For me, that's an easy answer. You know, it's like I'd rather oh, for sure. I want to do better on the bigger stage. So absolutely. Especially with those names being there. Yeah, you know, and it's like, you know, I've sh I've shot carry optics. This is my third year shooting it. I've been super squad level like two years in a row now, which I think is like legit so it's kind of like you know trying to establish you know myself as being like hey like you know once you win level twos and stuff it's like okay like now i need to be a guy who's threatening to win level three matches and who's shooting 95 percent of points at uh you know at nationals and stuff like that so always always something to work for there i mean you're averaging ninth place so i'd say you're doing something right yeah and it's like i'm, I'm averaging about like 92 percent which is which is good, but it's not great. Like there's still like, you know, like, like Nils and Mason, you know, like those guys are still kind of like, like a, like a level above me right now. Like if they shoot their match and I shoot my match, like I'm like, you know, I haven't been there yet. So it's like, okay, you know, like need to break up into that next tier, you know, and, and then from there start looking at, uh, you know, looking at the, uh, you know, kind of the, the top tier of that. There's always a rear naked choke lane. <laughs> I mean, I think you win it. I think you win it. I got my money on you. It'd be simpler if we could combine, <laughs> you know, pursuits into that. So uh, I don't know if anyone else is spending as much time on the mats while they're training for nationals as I am, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Now, all right. So before I transition into your BJJ stuff, um, what does your make ready look like? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, so I, I pretty much step up. I, I draw to, uh, if I'm able to draw to my first target, I draw to my first target. And then like now I've started doing where I kind of like, you know, charge and dry fire like five or six times. One, just to kind of get a feel for my trigger again and check my dot. But I had a, was it a local match? 
Yeah, I had a local match where uh, it was a mag that I had dropped on the ground during a reload on a previous stage. It must have got a like a rock inside of it. And then I shot a stage and somehow that rock traveled up between those rounds and it got like under my trigger bar or whatever inside my gun. So when I went to make ready and um, and so I did that. So, you know, so I kind of drew to my target, like, you know, like went to pull the trigger and the trigger wouldn't move back because the rock was physically blocking it. And I was like, oh, shit. So luckily I hadn't made ready. So I was like, oh, hey, can I just go switch to my other gun? So no big deal. So now I've like I hadn't been doing that like for like a specific reason really but now like i do it specifically just to make sure like hey let's real quick <laughs> double check and make sure when you when you squeeze that thing you're gonna get uh you're gonna get some action out of it um wow then i uh yeah so so i charge one press check it back in top off back in the holster uh if it's a shorter stage i'll kind of like real quick like sort of run you know run in my head the targets that i'm doing and then Something I started towards the end of 2020 that I kept doing now is, uh, I don't know if there's a specific word for it. I just call it queuing. And so I basically like tell myself like three things. I go, I say, bring the gun in tight, bring the gun in tight, bring the gun in tight, grip hard, grip hard, grip hard, shoot alpha, shoot alpha, shoot alphas. And then, um, and then kind of put my hands in, you know, whatever the ready position is. And, you know, I, when I started doing that, I definitely like got a benefit out of it. And it literally just started because we probably all do this in some regard, you know, like, you know, like I'm training and I would like, I would shoot some string of fire in a drill. And I'd be like, be like, damn it, Lane, bring the gun in tight. You know, I shoot another string. I'd be like, listen, grip the freaking gun hard, you know, and then we do another one or whatever. And I'd be like, listen, shoot freaking alphas, you know? And so then it kind of clicked on me one day. I was like, okay, instead of like doing stuff wrong and then yelling at yourself and like, why don't you just go up there beforehand and say out loud exactly what you want to have happen? You know, cause it's like, if I can't visualize and verbalize what I want to have happen, why do I expect myself to do it right there? So I just, I go out there like, I, I say it out loud to myself. I probably look like an absolute like psychopath, like to the ROs when I'm getting ready. But I just, like, I, I say all those things out loud, you know, I'm like, yeah, what, what, I don't, I don't really care what they think of me as long as the, uh, as long as the time's good and the hits are good. So like, <laughs> <laughs> what a bang, what a bang ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Well, you can blame Jay Beal for that question because we asked a couple of people and he's like, man, I look forward to that question every episode. So now, <laughs> now I make sure we ask as so you can blame him. <laughs> he is a funny guy. He's a good guy. Yeah. He's actually wearing our Jersey the first day of national. So I'm oh, nice. Yeah. All right. So I think he beat me by, I think he beat me by like less than, no, it's less than two points. It was like 1.6 points in 2020. Like I beat him in the wow. overall, but in carry optics, he beat me by like 1.6 points or something like that. And I remember because uh, I'd never met him in person. I, you know, I just, I'd, I'd seen the name. And so when we go to walk through the, uh, um, when we go to walk through the prize table, so he's one right in front of me. And, uh, and he gets the $1,000 blue bullet certificate. And then I got a CZP10. Uh, so I was still happy with that. But he was kind of okay. like, he kind of like went to grab it. And so I'm wearing like my blue bullets jersey, you know, because I was, because we, you know, we just got done, you know, shooting or whatever. And he kind of like looked at me and I was like, I was like, dude, you're in front of me. Like, I'd, I'd take that $1,000 like certificate. I was doing a heartbeat. Like, that's worth twice as much as the gun. So <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, he's a good guy. Um, I, I definitely put money on you if you two were to uh, grapple. I mean, I'm slightly larger than he is, but just just a, I think only by three <laughs> or four pounds. So okay, just, just a wee bit. <laughs> so how how did you get into, or when did you get into uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu? So I took my first Jiu Jitsu class. Um, it would have been basically the start of second semester of college, so like January of 2008. Um, and okay. it was, I was kind of always like interested in it. Um, and I started working at a bar there as a bouncer and it just so happened that, you know, most of the dudes that were there were like jujitsu guys, MMA fighters, wrestlers, and they trained in the, the Hawkeye club. So university of Iowa's Brazilian, like the student club. And they're like, Hey, you know, like we train, you know, these days, these times, like you should come up and try it. And so I did. And, um, and yeah, just kind of more or less been going ever since then in some regard, but. And I don't, I don't think the Hawkeyes have a very good wrestling team, do they? Uh, I mean, we take it reasonably serious in the state, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would say so yeah. for sure. We got, we got screwed out of that national team title in 2020, and but we got our 2021 team title. But 
Yeah, it's a powerhouse. It's a college wrestling powerhouse for sure. Definitely. So, now, listening to your podcast, it sounds like you didn't get into wrestling until college as well. Yeah, I did wrestling as like a little kid, and then I wrestled in junior okay. high. But I never liked it, um, honestly. Like, I think there's a couple main reasons. Like, I was a super like late bloomer physically. Like, I was one of those guys. Like, I don't think I hit puberty until like my junior year of high school. You know, so I'm kind of like, like, well, you got a great Dane, so you've seen this. You know, it's like you got like a large breed puppy walking around. So it's huge, but it's still a baby, and it gets picked on by you know Yorkshire Terriers and all those that are you know full fledged adults. And I kind of, I kind of think I was in kind of the same boat where it's like, you know, it's kind of like I sort of looked like. You know, hey, I'm at the same level as these guys, but you know, this dude, this dude's had armpit hair for six years, and I'm just, you know, I'm still, I'm still waiting on my chance to, uh, to kind of get into this, and you know, so it was like, and then also, you know, like I was, uh, like I was chubby at that time, so it was like, you know, when you're in like kids wrestling and stuff like that, is they don't really break you into age brackets for the most part. It's just, it's just by weight. So if you're fat, you have to go with kids that are older than you, and so older kids. Are just, and wrestling is the most unforgiving sport. It's way more. Oh yeah, jujitsu is. You know, so you just get, you just get wrecked on. So for me, it was basically like, hey, go to a tournament and like get beat on by the, these older guys, and then go to practice. And it's my buddy's older brothers who were like really good wrestlers. You know, like one of my friends' older brothers was a, a cadet national champ Greco guy. You know, and so some of those dudes and. um I was like, dude, I don't, I didn't, I don't enjoy this at all. Like, why, why would I want to do this at all? And it also kind of happens to be like my high school wasn't really like a wrestling school. I mean, we had some like decent wrestlers, but we were definitely not like one of the, those schools that are known as wrestling schools. Like basketball was more popular. And my dad was a basketball player, like, a, like in high school. So like, obviously like every other boy, I'm like, dude, I want to do whatever my dad was and, and be better at it. So <laughs> at five ten, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in hindsight, like there was obviously a uh, there was a, a short lifespan on the uh, on the basketball career, but uh, <laughs> I mean, you could have been a white spud web. Yeah, it wasn't bad for. I mean, I was like a I was an all conference guy in high school basketball player, but um, okay, you know, there was good. yeah, but you know, it's obviously there's uh, there's levels to that stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> of course, like anything, of course. So I mean, saying you were a a high school all conference wrestler in uh, in high school, you know, is completely different than all conference in college. So, yeah, sure. and it's one of those where it's like you know, obviously, there's the part of me that wishes I had liked wrestling then, like I do now. So I, I would have an additional ten or twelve years of like wrestling, you know, like experience and training and background. But then you know, the other side of it that I'm really happy about is that like you know, part of the good thing about going to, you know, a small town, a small school is that like I played, I was a four sport guy in high school. So I have a very like well-balanced athletic background. So, you know, like, I don't think there's any sport that like you put me in that like, I'm not reasonably competitive at. And I think that makes you much more well-rounded. Whereas like a lot of the really good wrestlers, especially dudes like who are good in high school or whatever, they're, they, they tend to specialize so soon that they're not nearly as well-developed you know, athletically. So they get into other pursuits and they're not, they're not as well suited for it, you know? Right. Yeah. You get, you get very singularly focused on things. That, so, it's like, man, like it's an unforgiving like sport. And it's like, the, I mean, the good thing about starting younger in something like wrestling is, you know, obviously your formative years is the best time to like train and learn stuff, you know, for long-term success. But it also means like, okay, now you're adding another 10 or 12 or 15 years of, of like hard miles on the body, you know? So, I mean, I'm 37 now and have 14 years of like, you know, jujitsu and stuff. Plus you add the Marine Corps stuff before that on there. But it's like, now imagine if I had like another like 10 years of that stuff on there, like, and I'm already a wreck. So like, <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I know. I was like yeah. sitting there going, as soon as he said he was 37, I'm like, Oh God, I wish I was 37 again. <laughs> <laughs> well, Huggy, how, tell him what you did, Huggy. Oh, I played uh, football over in the World League uh, for the Frankfurt Galaxy. So back in the 90s, you know, uh, there was all these, you know, little clubs coming up. There was arena football, there was Canadian League, and then, you know, the, la the shot was to go over to, you know, the World League if you were picked up by either one of them. But most of the guys that played over in the World League, a lot of times, just like they're doing now with the XFL, 
a lot of those guys that didn't make the roster went over there to play and just to get the, you know, the reps or just kind of tune up a few things before they came back to the NFL. Or if somebody got hurt or injured, then they'd pull them back to the NFL. So I didn't get pulled. <laughs> That's uh, that is incredibly like unforgiving, like realm to and tell them and tell them what position you played. Oh, I played middle linebacker. Yep, so. there it is. Y- yeah, yeah, so he like- just got <laughs> walloped by big old linemen. Oh, it was it was just thunder. That's all you kept on hearing. It was like this big old crack of thunder. You know, it was just helmet to helmet. And uh, it's such an uh, alpha position to play, though. I mean, it, it like, is like a good yeah. middle linebacker is like he's got to be really smart. He's got to be an mm-hmm. athlete, but he's also got to be like a dude who's got to get like dirty. Like there's, oh yeah, you, yeah. you know, like you you are the marquee part of that, and there is no. There's no like sitting this one out or like oh if I if I just hang yeah. out over here it'll be like no mm-hmm. you are you are the no. man like no there's no, no taking a playoff no 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 I mean it was like they either you either moving over to the left you moving to the right or just come right down the middle it was like you know <laughs> you're gonna get it one way or another you're in on every single every, play. exactly exactly and uh, <laughs> yeah I always like now I'm like. If I forget something, I'm like, yep, I blame it on CTE. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I actually I I love the fact that you know you're in the Brazil Brazilian jitsu. jitsu. See? That's CTE. CTE, I'm telling you. He's punching guys, you know. Right. Oh right. Lord. And see, and I'm waiting for Leo. I'm giving Leo an opportunity to jump in, and he's just like, nah, I'm gonna let this one go. But anyway. I think it's great. I would. Uh, I wish I could get into it, but at my age and the way I am now, I'm afraid that I get down on the mat and I'm like, oh, yep, can't get I up. Can't get up. <laughs> and there's definitely like, and I mean, you, you know, honestly, like people start at any age. Like my club is, we're primarily a master's club, not like intentionally, but that's just how it works. Like masters in jiu-jitsu are like guys who are 30 and over. Which means mm. you, you can compete mm. in the masters divisions at tournaments. So guys, you know, that's just where he lives now. Years. His new house. Yeah, and um, you know, and so it's one of those like it obviously like I went through like being a young guy where like you know, you get bumps and bruises, but nothing is like a long term injury. And then like I, I you know I tore my bicep you know wrestling, and then I blew out my left knee and, and had surgery you know doing it and stuff. And and I've kind of shifted now to where like I'm very like careful with how I train and it took a long time to get to it. But now it's like, you know, if I feel like I've had enough training for a day, like I just stop. Like, I don't have to be like, Oh, you know, class is still going or, Hey, it looks like everyone else is going hard. Like you bet. It's like, nah, I'm good. You know, it's like, Oh, Hey, I had a, you know, like I had a couple good roles with, uh, you know, my buddy BJ, who's a, like a, you know, huge, like, you know, college lineman guy, another jujitsu black belt. And this other guy, like we call him big Josh who's another black belt, six, five, like two sixty. It's like, Hey, I had some good hard roles with those guys. You know, Maybe I'll just, I'll just go. I'll go roll with the blue belts a little bit, and you know, kind of work some technique, take it easy, or you know, or maybe I'm shit. Maybe I'll just sit on the side and watch, or like you know, talk smack to dudes who are going, or 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 whatever. You know, it's like you know, it's it takes you a long time to come around to that because like the peer pressure and like the ego stuff is so prevalent. Mm. But it's like at some point you got to be like, all right, like I'm I'm in this for the I'm in this for the the thirty thousand foot view and not the 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 three foot view. You know, it's like mm. if you look at my progress i want you to look at it from up in space like okay he's got there's some ups and downs and some bumps and this or that but it's generally like that line is moving up you know like Mm -hmm. it's going in a positive direction you know right but you get too zoomed in you know any one time and you start to see those you know those those valleys and and stuff like that so i just yeah like just kind of just being a little bit smarter a little bit more mature with that stuff and frankly just not letting not caring so much about what other people like want you to do or not do you know right (laughs) Well, I definitely would be like covered with dengue or a tongue bomb and everything. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I do that going into the match. <laughs> Good luck with that armbar, buddy. <laughs> so, so Lane, you were. Right, now I'm reading directly off of your your website here, so I don't get it wrong. You were the world runner-up, no gi. In 2018 and 2019, so did when you started BJJ, did you strive to get to that level, or was it just you fell in love with the sport and that's where it led you? Oh yeah, I definitely didn't know it was going to go that. So I think so. I was a that was so I, those two competitions when I was a blue belt and a purple belt, 
Um, okay. And yeah, it was, you know, I didn't know how long I was or wasn't going to stick with stuff. Cause I don't, I don't think that a lot of people like you, you, you plan that out, like, you know, ahead of time when you start, um, and my club's very competitive, like as far as like, like our guys do a lot of competitions. And so I kind of just got, um, I sort of just got peer pressured into doing worlds that first year. Like I literally didn't want to do it because uh, you got like, I didn't want to it. spend the, the money. Like I had just, so I had just gotten fired that summer from the gym job and started oh. a different job. So it's like, you know, so like I was like, Hey, I don't really want to drop all the money to fly out to California and all that. And so one of the guys that like I, I, I did jujitsu with at the time, he's at a different club in the same town. Now I'm still good friends with, He's like a very successful businessman, owns something called Great Plains Auto Body. Um, and he literally just, he called me when I was at work one day and he goes, hey, take a picture of your ID, send it to my wife. And I was like, why? He goes, just do it. And I was like, okay. And he's like, hey, my wife booked your flight, you know, to come out uh, to oh. us, like, you know, or whatever. And uh, so he's just like a very generous guy. Like I, ne I never asked. And frankly, like if they hadn't already bought it, I, I wouldn't even have like accepted it. I just, I I'm one of those people, like, I don't know how to deal with gratitude and compliments and stuff like that, you know? But uh, so Matt basically just covered my my ticket. So I flew out for that, did the competition. And then the next year I had intended to go out because um, I knew a bunch of guys from the club were still going. So then I, you know, I kind of signed up for that. And then they canceled No Gi Worlds in 2020 because of Corona stuff. And then right. last year they changed the schedule. because so, so now it's back on schedule. So usually No Gi Worlds – is like the second weekend of December. So for me, that's perfect because I don't do any jujitsu competitions during shooting season. So usually we finish up September, October. Now I got a couple months I can go kind of hard getting ready for that. Well, last year they did no gi worlds in like August. So I was just like, ah, oh, I can't, I can't go. So I kind of hope to go this year, but I, I don't know if I'm be able to or not yet. But at least in my where's, head, I want to. So where's it at this year? It's in Anaheim, California again. That's that's just like oh, it's okay. normal. That's its its home location, but. Okay. All right. But you, this year, though, you'd be uh, as a black belt, correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So the level of competition is you're moving up. Presumably higher. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. and like, I mean, and, yeah. And like competing as a master's is so, like, obviously, so black belt's kind of like, you know, GM shooting wise. It's like, that's uh, like, that's like the overflow reservoir. Like, once you get to black belt, obviously, like, there's not another belt level to go up higher to. So you'll have dudes that'll be in my bracket who have been black belts as long as I've been doing jujitsu, you know? So you, you, it's a, right. and then the other thing about master's divisions is the time, the length of matches is shorter. So it changes a lot of like the nature of matches because you don't have as much time. So it tends to be kind of like the first good position somebody gets to tends to dictate the match. Whereas, you know, at the adult brackets where they're doing 10 minute matches, it's not quite the same. Strategy changes. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. How long do you think you'll be? How how much longer do you think you'll be competing in jujitsu? Yes. Uh, I mean, realistically, I mean, I'd like to compete until I die, I suppose, but uh, or die while okay. competing. That's actually that's the actual way that I I intend to pow, pow. Uh, intend to go. Yeah. I well, I, I always tell people I'm like, hey. I'm going to be like 95 or something, barely able to move, completely incontinent. I'm going to go shoot my last <laughs> local match. I'm going to walk over in the corner and be like, "All right, dudes, I'm out." And uh, and uh, you just leave you just leave me over here in the corner of the range, you know? Like <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you don't even have to clean me up. Just leave me over there. I was like, this is where I'd want to be left, anyways. So. <laughs> All right. uh -oh. The visual I had was just so bad. <laughs> oh, All right. Funny. So let's talk about your company. Bastion Black Performance. You you offer um training? Mm -hmm. Okay. I see here both firearms and combatives. So it, it, it says here combative handgun solutions and ground fighting solutions. I assume those are mixed. Or are they two separate things? So those are like right now they're kind of separate. So as it sits right now for most of my combative handgun solutions, classes are like one day classes. So for those, I pretty much stick to only being on the feet for all the stuff that we do. Whereas if somebody wanted to set up like a one day ground specific class and that's my ground fighting solutions, but 
what I'm like transitioning to and what I want my combative handgun solutions class to be is like a full two day class or, you know, we're all including, you know, on the ground, on the feet, you know, against the barriers and stuff like that. So just kind of, kind of a work in progress on that. Okay. And then on the firearm side, it looks like you've got private lessons, competition specific classes, as well as defensive and tactical pistol specific classes. Yeah. In, anything in particular there or just not really i don't honestly teach very much live fire stuff um i teach primarily the the combatives integration stuff that i do but um yeah you know mm. i kind of list specifically like occasionally i'll do private lessons with people and then it's sort of kind of just like hey what are, what do they want out of it um uh you know then obviously we could do like you know competition specific lessons or classes or you know then the uh you know more combative defensive you know quote unquote tactically uh, tactical related shooting stuff as well. So like I said, it's um, like those are definitely individual things I offer as, you know, as I get more serious and more professional, you know, I'm trying to get to where my two day classes like, you know, cover that as far as like having a live fire and then covering, you know, the, the full spectrum as far as, you know, on the feet, on the ground and stuff right now. Cause as, as it sits right now, when I do my one day classes, I don't do any live fire um, at all which uh, the main reason is just because it takes so long to do live fire stuff. Um, you know, it's like by the time you do safety brief and especially when you're introducing things like a thumb peck index and like, you know, contact and very close proximity shooting, the safety level stuff takes, a, you know, a, a significant notch up from like your typical, you know, USPSA or, or basic firearm stuff. And so what I found is just like, it just takes so long to do that stuff live that you basically eat up half of a, of a, of a day long class without really covering much material. And so, you know, so 2020 in, in some ways was kind of a blessing because ammo was so hard to find and everything. I was like, Hey, I'm just not going to do a live fire thing in my class anymore. Cause ammo is so hard to find. But then the flip side is I was like, bam, now I get done. Like I do like a dry fire training session with the firearms and stuff, but I allot, I lot two hours. I'm usually done in 90 minutes or, or slightly faster. And then we have, you know, a full, like, you know, seven, seven and a half hours that we can devote to the actual like combatives and the, the physical side of things. So it's, it's, in my opinion, it's 10 times better, but. You guys have any other questions? You gotta hear, you want me to unmute you? <laughs> so actually, uh, Lane, you, uh, you also was at Baylor University. Yep. Yep. So how'd you like that? Uh, I did not like that. Um, really? <laughs> being a D1 strength coach is – that is an amount of work that is something that – unless you've, like, you know, been a guy who's played in college or coached in college, like you just – you know, you're not fully prepared for it. But then the other thing that I realized is, like, most of the guys who are strength coaches, you know, like, you know, for D1 football programs and stuff, they're guys who are obsessed with football. And so, like – you know, the, the football team and the strength coach, um, you know, profession, that's like their job. It's their hobby. It's their passion. It's all of those things for them. But for me, it was like, I didn't like it that way. You know, like I, I like the numbers and I like the science and the training, but I'm also like, I'm a guy, I'm like, you know, Hey, it's, it's four o'clock and we finished the groups. So let's, let's just turn the lights off and go home and like go play with the dog or go go train this or that or whatever. We'll come back tomorrow morning, you know, early for the next groups. But like there, it's like, nope. like you're there at like four 30 in the morning, leave at eight 30 at night. Like there's always something else to do. And I'm just like, man, I, I don't like this that uh, way. You know, I just, yeah, for me, it was just like when you do, like when you're a D one strength coach, that is what your life is. Like, you know, every, like it's like you work, you work seven days a week, um, you know, every week, but also it's just like, you know, like you are, you are there, you know, 12, 14 hours a day, every day. And when you're not there, you're getting texts about facilities from this and you're, you're getting emails from this vendor about that. And it's just like, yeah, it's a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> wow. So what do you do now? Uh, so now I'm a uh, security contractor. Okay. So I work for, uh, so it's actually, so it's, it's kind of interesting. So the, the gym that I train at, is owned by the same company and the same like family who owns the uh, who owns the company that I work for, and they offer like a we're kind of like for the most part like a high end like executive protection corporate security 
Um, okay. You know, kind of thing. And we, I mean, we have a lot of security gigs that we do, but I, I, we're kind of not to like sound like I'm braggadocious or whatever. We're, we're kind of like the higher end security versus like the, the secure toss and the, you're, you're the kind of like a big thing. Well, yeah, you know, it's like, you know, <laughs> not the dudes that are down protecting the, uh, the goalpost at the, at the football games, you know, but the guys who do more of like the, the upscale sites and the personal protection details and things like that. I, I say that lane because one of our first interviews, um, when we, we started this podcast October of 2020 at Nationals, and we shot with a woman whose very first USPSA match was that Nationals. Oh, nice. And, yeah, so we became, you know, friends with her and her husband because her husband was there on every stage. He was, like, pasting targets and, and painting steel and helping her load magazines. He was awesome. But <laughs> they told us a story that when they met, they were going – he's – uh also a BJJ black belt mm -hmm. and they were going to a competition and he told her, he's like, look, when we get there, just so you know, I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> so <laughs> now that's, our, that's our running thing. <laughs> no, I definitely don't say it like that, but it's like, I suppose everybody <laughs> thinks it about the industry that they work in, but you know, there's definitely like, there's low end people and mid tier and high tier kind of, you know, people that you want to work with. And it's not that one's, necessarily better than the other it's, it's what you it's what you bring to the table you know as far as you know assets as you know and also like what you want out of a particular gig you know if you just if you just need some place to go sit down and play on your phone like there's plenty of places that'll pay you 14 bucks an hour to to just just be present you know but if you want to make better money you have to bring better things to the table you know right I will say that I was shocked that you advocate grabbing some dude's junk when you're wrestling. Just saying. Oh, I would in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> junk, butthole. I am, like, yeah, I am, yeah. I am famous oh. as a butthole grabber in. in <laughs> <laughs> oh, I gotta isolate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's just What I always told the guy is like, if it wasn't a handle, why would it be where my hand wants to go when I'm in this position? You know, like, you know, it's just like, it's like a little hand thing on your, you know, like on your car door when you get in and they're like, oh, hey, don't grab it. I'm like, why wouldn't I grab it when it's right where, like, I want to put my hand when I'm getting in here? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's funny. I feel you because I'm going to tell you right now, on a lot of those football piles, you know, all the stuff yeah. that happens. I mean, yeah. if you if you weren't wearing a cup, you were going. To, they were going to find out real quick. Yep. <laughs> There's but, dudes that are famous well, for that, like just like being being that guy in the pile. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> but being a butthole grabber. <laughs> all right, all right. Before I gotta real quick here, I gotta make sure everybody knows what we're talking about. All right. <laughs> so so right here, folks. If you want to know what we're talking about, this episode of his podcast, Modern Grappling Trends and Grappling for Self-Defense. It's towards the end, but it's legit and it's hilarious. I actually rewound it. I'm like, did I just hear what I heard? <laughs> I rewound it and had to listen again. I was like, oh, I got to bring that up. <laughs> it works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. It sure does. All right. Leo, you got anything? Man, he is seriously delayed. Woo, yeah, he is. <laughs> All right. So, Lane, how can people I how can people get a hold of you if you they want to do the training? There's obviously your website, but any other way or is there a better way? Uh, yeah, so the website's good. Um, I'm just Bastion Black Performance at Gmail or I have Bastion Black Performance Facebook and Bastion Black Performance What's my Instagram? I think it's Bastion Black Performance Actual. My first one got deleted mm. by Instagram because uh, I post like apparently I said unsavory things to in a in a conversation thread, so I had to make an additional Instagram. So, but uh, yeah, I've got Bastion uh, Black Performance Instagram, and a lot of people contact me on that. It just seems to be kind of the the way of stuff now. So yeah, I, any one of those things is perfectly perfectly legit. I mean, that's how you contacted me. So like, yeah, yeah, that's how I reached out. Anything else you want to plug or anything you want to expand on? No, I think that was 
That was a that was a long conversation, but that like that went by like very fast. Like we, it, it did. We I looked up stuff. at one point. And I'm like, 45 minutes went by. I'm like, what? No, that's the best. It's like a first date where you're like, damn, it's been an hour already. Like you know, this is going well. You know? Yeah, it's like, a good, yeah, and that's a good date. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like the one where you're like counting down the seconds and it's not good. So, uh, so no, that's been, oh yeah, that's when you're sitting there going like, where's my wingman? Like, Get me out of here. <laughs> I got that phone call coming up, you know. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> Joel's calling me. I got to go. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You always got that one buddy who knows like a time to call you just to check in and be like, hey, you know, you need to get you out of here or what? But, uh... yeah. Well, Lane, we appreciate you coming on. No, oh, thanks for having me, guys. This has been, uh, it's been a good time. Oh, it's been a blast. It was- yeah, it was. It was a blast. And I will see you at Nationals. That sounds good. Until next time. Don't be a little bitch. Yeah. <laughs>